0: Welcome to Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Today's episode was produced in collaboration with the Permanente Docs Chat Podcast. It features Dr. Christine Sinsky, Vice President of Professional Satisfaction at the AMA. She'll talk about current drivers of physician burnout, an example of changing work culture, and more. Leading the conversation is the host of Permanente Docs Chat, family medicine physician, Dr. Alex McDonald.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Permanente Docs chat today. Thank you all for joining. I'm your host, Alex McDonald. I practice family and sports medicine here in Fontana, California, as part of the Southern California Permanente Medical Group. Um, Today is another collaboration between the Permanente Medical Groups and the American Medical Association. Uh, We're going to be talking about physician wellness and burnout and joy in practice and autonomy and whatever term you want to use, because there's lots of terminology. We'll get into that later. And joining us today is Dr. uh, Christine Sinsky who is the Vice President of Professional Satisfaction at the AMA. So welcome, Dr. Sinsky. Thank you for for joining us and and noting a return guest also, so braving coming back and seeing us once once more.
2: Uh, Thanks so much, Dr. McDonald. It's a pleasure to be back with you.
1: Wonderful. Um, so, those of uh, those of you who are here live, uh, please drop any questions in the Q and A. Uh, we'll get to as many as we can. Um, this is again a, a short chat. We only have about twenty minutes, so get those questions in early. And we are going to just jump right in here. So, uh, Dr. Sinsky, tell us a little bit about who you, who you are and, and what you do, uh, both both pro- professionally as well as uh, within the American Medical Association.
2: Sure. My pleasure. So, I'm a general internist. I practiced for 32 years in Dubuque, Iowa, in a multi specialty clinic. Um, For the last 10 years, I've also been working at the American Medical Association, and I work leading our work on improving professional satisfaction as vice president of professional satisfaction. And our team thinks of our mission as helping to create the conditions where joy, purpose, and meaning in work are possible for physicians and their teams. So that's our North Star.
1: Great. um, And I, I have to, you know, say the Southern California Permanente Medical Group was just honored with uh, a, a, an award from the American Medical Association uh, Joy in Medicine Recognition Program at the at the gold level. So I'm very proud of that for our medical group. Can you can you tell us more about that program specifically and, and the Joy in Medicine Recognition Program that, that you help oversee?
2: Sure, sure. Well, first of all, congratulations. It's actually a really big deal to achieve any level, bronze, silver, or gold, but to receive gold, you're in the top tier of organizations across the country. In fact, only 10 organizations were recognized as gold, and that's the most that we've recognized um, in any year since the program developed. Um, So again, congratulations. And a lot of credit, I think, has to go to your leadership. Uh, Don Clark, uh, as the chief wellness officer, has been working on this for many years. Um, But it's really, it's a rigorous program. Um, And uh, again, congratulations.
1: Thanks. No, I mean, I, I, you're absolutely right. Dr. Clark has done so much work there, but it's really been supported, you know, throughout our organization from, from top to bottom. And I think being, being physician led uh, within, within the Southern California Permanente Medical Group has really um, made sure that the physician, physician voice is always kind of at the center of, of kind of our, our wellness program, if you will. Um, But then also closely following that is, is the patients too, because we, are, are here because of patients and really want to make sure we take care of patients. But to do that, we have to take care of ourselves. Uh, first and foremost, I always, I always like using the analogy of, you know, when you're on the airplane and they tell you in case loss of oxygen, you know, you put your own mask on first before you can put someone else's mask right. on. And I think a lot of times physicians are, are really struggling um, personally and professionally. And, and that, that hurts patients, unfortunately.
2: You are so right. My way of saying that is that care of the patient requires care of the care team. Mm-hmm. That when the care team is doing well, we'll go the extra mile for individual patients, we'll be at our best um, and we'll stay in practice so that patients have access. So um, I think of care of the care team, joy in medicine is Mm -hmm. the shortcut to getting to the other organizational objectives that we may have, whether they're financial or quality or satisfaction uh, objectives.
1: Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. And let's, again, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but let's talk about the terminology, right? We all know that language yeah. really matters, and there are several terms to address this and sort of the the challenges, uh, both professional and, and, and mental that that ch- physicians face. You know, joy in medicine, burnout, wellness, resilience, moral injury. There's so many kind of terms floating out there. Can you can you help tell us sort of what are what are your preferred terms when we address this issue, sure. um, and and maybe why we'd use one versus another?
2: Yeah, and I think there isn't a single term that's going to uh, service all of our needs here, but I think of burnout as an occupational distress disorder and it's occupational distress that's related to the external environment, that the problem isn't the individual, the problem is the environment. I often say that uh, while burnout manifests in individuals, it originates in systems. Mm -hmm. So burnout, occupational distress. The flip side of that, is professional well-being, joy in medicine. And they're they're not um, opposed to each other. They're just two sides of a coin. And I also say it's not enough to eliminate burnout and sort of get to zero. We want to get to a point where people are thriving Mm -hmm. uh, because that's where that positive energy helps us to be the kinds of clinicians that we aspire to be. So that's how I look at those two terms. Some people don't like the term burnout because they feel blamed by it. Right. Um, And I think it's important to call out that that's how some people interpret it. And yet, actually, its use is used in the context of identifying the uh, source is almost always in the external environment. Moral injury is another term that's sort of come on the scene more recently, and I think it represents a slice of the sources of burnout. Mm-hmm. It's not all burnout is not moral injury, uh, but some of the occupational distress comes from this sense of uh, moral distress or moral injury where uh, we feel like we know the right thing to do, but we're not able to do the right thing because of external constraints. But that's that's not all of burnout. Some of burnout is related to just the mismatch between the demands of the job mm-hmm. and the resources we have to do the job. In yeah. fact, I think that's where the majority of burnout originates.
1: Yeah, I, I think that is such an important uh point to touch on is is sort of that mismatch between what the expectation is or or what what the physician really wants to do versus what they're able to do. Um, we know that, you know, only about 10, maybe 20% of someone's health is actually directly related to, you know, uh, physician care. And so much of it, 80% of it is due to, you know, circumstances far beyond the control of our hospital and our clinic and a lot of those social determinants of health. And I think that's, uh, you know, I can speak from my own personal experience and and with some of my colleagues is that's where it's really stuck. If somebody comes in with an infection, like that's easy, I can prescribe an antibiotic and treat yes. that. If someone comes in and can't afford their medications or, or lives in an, unsafe neighborhood and can't go for a walk you know that is more concerning to me and much much more challenging to treat
2: and it's my hypothesis that you if you work in a system where together with others you are able to meet those patients needs Mm -hmm. then your feeling of efficacy is greater and your Mm -hmm. feeling of professional satisfaction is greater and your burnout is less Mm -hmm. and um and also sort of an it goes to that idea about twenty percent of health is related to what happens in the healthcare system. Right. Eighty uh, percent is the uh, environment. It's my observation that about eighty percent of burnout is related to the external environment, and only about twenty percent is related to individual factors. Uh, I think we can be very confident that our nurses and our physicians and our other healthcare professionals are not deficient in resiliency. Right. We know that. Uh, from studies uh, that physicians have much higher resilience levels than the general population. And we mm-hmm. can presume that for our colleagues in other professional domains within healthcare. So it's not the person that's broken, um, it's the system generally.
0: Medicine doesn't stand still. And at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org movingmedicine. Yeah, no,
1: I, I, you're right. It's really the system is where we need to think about this. Um, Can you go into a little bit more detail about sort of those you know, those sort of intrinsic versus extr- extrinsic factors, uh, both within yeah. an individual physician or within a group or or even a health system that's really going to either alleviate or, or exacerbate, you know, burnout or, or wellness or drawing practice or whatever term you want to use?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Alex, something that you said made me think of a framework that I really like. So. Uh, if you will, let me share that framework with you. It's called Knights, Knaves, and Pawns. And there was a JAMA article with that title a number of years ago. And I like it because I think about what is the, how is the environment approaching physicians as knaves not to be trusted. So there's lots Mm. and lots of constraints and controls as pawns to be manipulated or as Knights to be entrusted in their service and empowered in their service of patients. And we need a balance, I think, it's, but we've kind of gone way over and rather than um, seeing physicians as knights that can be empowered to do their mission, seeing nurses in that same light, I think the external environment approaches us so much more as if we're knaves not mm. to be trusted or pawns that we can just manipulate and force through a series of uh, drop-down boxes and hard stops and things like that. So that's a framework that, for me, has always resonated. And and getting down into the specifics, I think drivers come from the loss of meaning in work uh, and from work overload, and then from a loss of professional autonomy that so often physicians you know, when you take the highest trained individuals in the organization and you give them almost no control over the day to day of their work lives, uh, that's actually a recipe, I think, for for burnout. So I would put the drivers in in those bigger buckets, and um, would also include then practice efficiency and organizational culture as two domains for the countervailing interventions. Uh, to address
1: those drivers, I I love that framework of of knaves, pawns, and knights. I actually wrote, wrote it down. I'm going to remember that. Um, and I think it's interesting. You can think about that from a uh, from a systems point of view as you know a physician who is an employed setting and they're viewed as a knave, a pawn, or a knight from their employer. But I think also from the patient perspective, especially in this day and age, you know, post COVID, there's a lot of lack of trust from just from the general public towards physicians whereas physicians were honestly held on a pedestal for a number of years whether that's was appropriate or not you know we could probably have a whole conversation about that um but really you can think that of that framework from both the patient perspective and and kind of those patient demands uh which are being placed on the physician as well as sort of the the health system demands um so i really like that framework
2: well you know and i've never thought of it from the patient perspective but just to riff off that for a minute, um, we published in uh, November, so it's actually about a week ago, in Mayo Clinic Proceedings, a paper on the politicization of medical care mm. during COVID, and it's yep. a contribution to burnout. And over 90% of physicians have experienced increased stress in the course of their work related to conversations about vaccines and masks mm. and unapproved therapies, and uh, that intrusion of politics into the exam room is something that's maybe been there in the past, but never to this magnitude. Right. And it um, is strongly associated with levels of burnout.
1: Yeah, I, I can speak to that from a from a personal point of view. I can say that you know the last couple of years uh, have been much more challenging from that perspective compared to to pre COVID um, and and during some of my training. You know, I think I, I really. I really think that thinking about this from a systemic level is really important. We know, you know, I always like saying the analogy of you can take a beautiful canary, but if you put in a coal mine, it's going right. to suffer, right? Um, and I think right. the same thing goes with with physicians. And uh, one of my one of my good friends always says, no amount of yoga is ever going to solve right. th- this crisis. And so, what are some of the things we can do from a systems point of view? Um, and what are some of the things that AMA is doing to help in, in you know, reduce Kind of the, those extrinsic pressures, which are which are kind of driving uh, physician burnout,
2: right? Right. So no amount of yoga, no amount of ice cream bars, and um, someone, a, f- a good friend of mine, actually has turned coined Jillian Horton from Canada has coined the term "muffin rage." When,
1: muffin rage. I like that.
2: Yeah. When you know the source of the problem is the culture or the workflow, and the solution that you're offered is muffins. Um, then that can generate reach, but there's so much that can be done. So, I mean, that's what gives, um, what drives our team is that we just know that there are so many things uh, that we can do do better. As a country, we invest over $250 billion every year researching new tests and new treatments, and we invest less than one half of 1% of that on the practice model. And so, we, I, I really believe that most physicians in most specialties and in most practice settings can save three to five hours every day mm. by re engineering the way the work is done and by more strategically delegating work to an upskilled team. But you need that upskilled team and you need enough structure to that team. You need enough right. bodies on that yep. team. So I think of team structure how many? team stability, and team skill level. And if you have a half of an MA per physician, you'll be able to perform at a certain level. Mm -hmm. But if you have two highly trained MAs or even one RN and one MA per physician, you're able to perform at a much, much higher level, uh, provide access to more patients, um, have professional satisfaction for a job well done. So um, now it doesn't all take more people. Some of it just takes doing the work better. Mm -hmm. Um, Stable relationships increase your capacity by 11% according to one study that was done by a group in Chicago. So they didn't hire any more MAs. They just intentionally uh, supported the stability of those relationships. Hmm, and they had 11% higher RVU generation. They also had better quality. And I just checked in with uh, Dr. Nadim uh, Ilbawi, Il- um, And a few years later, those who had the stable MAs, that was their uh, intervention group, those practices are not short-staffed. They did not lose staff through the pandemic. Whereas the rest of the organization where they weren't in that pilot Mm -hmm. with the stability, they had a lot of turnover. Mm -hmm. And I attribute that to that stability of relationship meant that the work was meaningful to the MAs as well as the physicians. So um, some of the practice efficiency relates to just having stable teams. And some of it means get rid of some of the work that doesn't need to be done. Um, Do 90 plus four on the prescriptions. Um, do that once a year, all at the same time, that eliminates all that unnecessary work throughout the year.
1: You know, I think that point, and that's great to hear that, that those studies done regarding that relationship within the medical team in the medical home is, is so viable. I've sort of intuitively experienced that within my own teams here. And obviously, you know, practicing sports medicine, I always like using my sports analogies. Um, And, you know, the physician really needs to sort of be the quarterback of the team. But medicine really is a team sport. And you need everyone doing their job really talking, working at the top of their license most efficiently. I think for me, when I get kind of questions or messages or things sent to me, which is like, Hey, can they get my labs done? And their labs are already ordered in the system. Like, why are they why is that getting to me? My my back office staff or even you know the call center agent should be able to say, Yep, labs are there, go go to the lab. Right. Um, and yeah. so I really like love that idea of the team, the team aspect and those relationships within the team. And sometimes just even saying thank you. Um, as as physicians, we tend to get bogged down a lot in our day. And and I always try to make a point of of thanking my LVM, thanking my RN who work with me. Um and I try to do it in front of other people too. Um that really yeah. goes a long way in, in building morale um and and that relationships. Um but that's my own my own style and seems to help help me also with my own professional wellness because I feel like I'm giving some gratitude. They're showing me gratitude and it just really builds that sense that we're all working together and we're not sort of stuck on islands by ourselves doing doing this work. Um
2: Yeah, we had a thing in our practice called the reason I came to work today because oh one day uh, a patient had told me she wasn't uh planning to come back uh she'd been a new patient and then she realized how kind one of our nurses had been to her mm. and she said and because of that kindness I decided to come back she'd seen us as a, an urgent care visit but domestic violence was uh, uncovered mm-hmm. and um, so I when the on the return visit when the patient told me that I praised our nurse in front of the rest of the team. And what she said was, well, the patient told me that too. And what I told the patient back was, you are the reason I came to work that day. Mm. And you are the reason I came to work today. And every day I try to find at least one patient encounter that was the reason I came to work today. So we started at the end of the day to have, did anybody have a reason? Or if you come out of a room and you were like, felt connected to your purpose you now had cultural permission in a sense yep. within our uh, social group there to say, you know, that was one of those reasons, that thing that it. we just did. So, you know, little things it. like the gratitude that you talked about mm-hmm. identifying uh, the reasons kind of seeing the big picture while we're going through the details. Yeah. I think is important.
1: So we we have an interesting question in the chat here, actually, uh, which might be a little bit off topic, but I want to, want to get your thoughts on it. So um, how can I, as a, as a, patient support my physician, and are there models including patient support communication regarding uh, how that impacts physician uh, wellness and and burnout?
2: Well, I think that's an interesting question, and I think as patients, we intuitively know that or we sense that we will get better care if the team taking care of us likes their work, Mm -hmm. and I think when the team taking care of us is sharing their respect for each other, that also uh, builds trust for the individual patient. So how what can patients do? First of all, I don't think it's patients' responsibility uh, to take care of us, but mm-hmm. I do think patients can, can do things like um, be clear about what they want. If what they want is an appointment and they think the appointment is what they need, I think scheduling that appointment as opposed to going through um, a lot of inbox communication with their physician when what they mm-hmm. really want is an appointment mm-hmm. just saves everybody time. Yeah. However, if what they if they're not sure, then communicating through the portal is ideal. But sometimes I think we have made the patient portal the path of least resistance, mm-hmm. resistance, and we don't know just by reading text. We can't read their verbal and visual cues as well. Yep. And so if as a patient, you just really want to come in and be evaluated in person uh, to go through the scheduling route um, so that people are clear or to just be clear about what it is that you're after, uh, mm-hmm. what your objective is. Um, but again, I just I I loved my relationship with my patients. And they did try to take care of me in some ways. And that's nice. It's part of being yeah. socially connected. Um and yet, that happens organically. I think when we, uh, when we're curious about the people that we're with.
1: Yep. No, I I completely agree with you. Um, so I I want to maybe dovetail a little, little bit on that, and especially coming up with the holiday season, um, and added both. Personal and family stress to physicians' workloads. Do you have any tips to help uh, doctors kind of stay stay healthy, both physically and mentally, uh, during the the busy holiday season, and also with with winter uh, respiratory illness season around the corner? Any any tips or recommendations?
2: Sure, sure. You know, for me, that brings up the whole idea of unplugging and recharging, mm-hmm. and thinking about have I personally. Has my work unit, has my larger institution provided ways that systematically allow individuals to unplug and recharge? Mm -hmm. So when I'm on vacation, do I totally unplug? Well, you can do that if you're in a system where there's inbox coverage when you're gone. If the expectation is that you continue to manage your inbox while you're gone, well, I think you need to know that up front, and maybe you want to know that even before you uh, choose that particular position. Right. Um, but if you do have inbox coverage, then it does take a little bit of self-discipline to say, "Hey, wait a minute." To be good for my patients when I come back, I have to re- I have to, I have to build back up. I have to recharge my battery, and I can't do that if I'm constantly thinking. And, you know, spending two hours of family time uh, on my inbox while I'm away. So that's my biggest thing is if you're on vacation, like be on vacation and be fully present with your friends and family. But I think that organizations have a role in helping um, make sure that that's possible by having that um, built-in coverage.
1: Yep. And I think the other piece here and what I'm hearing you say basically is make sure you take your vacation, right? Don't try to, you know, work and do holidays and, you know, family at all at the same time and making sure you take that time. Uh, there was an interesting study I was looking at um, a number of months ago, looking at just kind of across organizations. um you know, employees were happier and healthier and more productive if they were sort of almost almost forced to take their vacation versus just kind of save it up. Um, Sometimes we have a culture where you sort of wear that as a badge of honor to I'm tough. I don't have to take vacation. But in fact, it actually probably hurts us in the long run not to not to take that vacation on a regular basis or or save it up and take it all at once is probably not the best thing for our own our own mental health. Um, But we can again go on go on a soapbox there for a while. But um, if you
2: don't mind, though. Please. Uh, We have a a study that's currently under review around vacation and burnout. And what we've learned is that the majority of physicians don't take all the vacation that's allotted to them. The vast majority of physicians do patient care at work while they're on vacation and that the least burned out physicians are those who do take at least three weeks of vacation a year Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. who do, um, who don't do work on vacation. So, um, I think underlining what you've just uh, said as your hypothesis, at least our Over. data will support that. So hopefully I'm, it'll be in print at some point.
1: I'm good at making things up and speaking from my own experience, but it's always good when there's data to support up what I, sure. what I pontificate about. So, uh, this has been wonderful. I really appreciate your time. So last question here, what, what makes you most proud to be a physician?
2: You know, I think that our work is so chock full of meaning. Mm -hmm. And so to be invited into the intimate space of a a patient's life and needs and being able to fully attend to that and listen to that, and then to care for that patient over years and years and years, and in my case, both inpatient and outpatient. So when they got sicker and when they got Mm -hmm. better, uh, their family members, um, Staying true to that mission to me, uh, that's what uh, gave meaning to my work. I guess that's what I'm most proud about as an individual physician.
1: Wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much, Dr. Sinski, for joining us today, sharing your expertise. Uh, we really appreciate your time.
2: Well, thank you, Dr. McDonald. It was a pleasure to be back with you today.
1: Wonderful.
0: Subscribe to the Permanente Docs chat podcast to never miss an episode and register to take part in upcoming live chats. Visit Permanente.org slash AMA Docs Chat.